As we move through our scripture today, we will do so in two parts. In modern translations, there's a natural distinction in the letter between verses 11 through 14 and 15 to 23, but our main focus today will be on 11 through 14. So Paul spent about two to three years in Ephesus on one of his missionary journeys, preaching and teaching in Ephesus, gaining followers, discipling them and training them to evangelize, and then he was to leave. He later writes to the church in Ephesus, which was the most important city in Western Asia Minor, now Turkey. It had a harbor, making it a commercial trade center. It had a significant pagan temple. And knowing all of these things, Paul made Ephesus a center for evangelism. And the church thrived there for many years. However, the church was still fairly new and was likely experiencing some issues due to lack of experience and maturity. Sort of like when the cat's away, the mice will play situation. Although there were growing pains in general, Paul was pretty pleased with the ministry the church in Ephesus was doing, and he wanted to remind them and encourage them to carry on the good work. The letter begins by greeting the saints who are in Ephesus and blessing God's name. He speaks about their adoption by Christ and redemption through Christ so that they may live in the riches of his grace. And not only were they adopted, but they were to obtain an inheritance in Christ as well. An inheritance was of great importance in ancient times. People relied on things. They relied on a family business. They relied on property, land, house, money, livestock, all of these things for their survival. But material inheritance was not at the heart of Paul's message, was it? He was speaking of an eternal inheritance, a relationship with the creator of the universe and resting in his eternal redemption and mercy and goodness. Verses one through 12, if you're looking at it, is full of us, 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 and we. Blesses us in Christ, chose us in Christ. He destined us for adoption, bestowed freely his grace upon us. In him we have redemption, us, us, us. We. Then the pronoun changes in verse 13. Paul says, in him you. In him you also. You heard the truth. You believed. You were marked. You were redeemed. Certainly the pronouns that were used were of great importance. The words mattered. This message of eternal inheritance was a saving grace, and it was a splendid and welcomed gift. It was a reminder of the restoration and redemption that believers experience with the creator of the universe. That's wild, isn't it? Is it just me that is shocked by that and thinks it's incredible? It was for Jews and Gentiles. The message was for sinners and saints. It was and is a message for all believers. The church is a body of believers, but we're also individuals. Our relationship with our creator and savior is both communal and personal. The inheritance you receive and the legacy we leave is both you and we. As we remember the saints whose names were spoken today and those whose names were not, what do we think about? What do we think of? Do we remember a gift that was given? A hug that came at just the right time? a word of forgiveness that we longed for. Money, safety, security. Do we remember how that person cared for and loved others? 
so that Christ might be known by the world. It's often not the material inheritance that makes the difference in the end, is it? It also brings into question our own mortality. Have you ever thought, what will people say about me or think about me when I'm gone? Have you ever thought that? Let me get some head nods out there. Who's, who's, who's had that thought? If you were to answer the question now, might the answer be that you faithfully loved God and loved people? Might it be that you shared your eternal inheritance with others, inviting everyone into the family of Christ? How different our world would be if we left a timeless legacy of love, of service, commitment, and deep faith. For Christians, our inheritance is claimed. We will remain with God the Father, Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit for all eternity. But our legacy continues to take shape. When we dream about Peachtree's legacy and the ways in which God can and will flourish through us, we, we must decide, what is Peachtree Christian Church's legacy going to be? Paul's words to the church in Ephesus are words of encouragement and thanksgiving, just as my words are to you and to the saints who came before you. Paul says, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, and I give thanks for you. I remember you in my prayers and pray that God may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. God has called each of us here, each one of us. It is not an accident that you are here today. Whether you're in person or joining us online, God has called each of us to work as the body of Christ, united in hope and ready to shape a legacy that will last. When we dream of the legacy we can pass on, we must first look to Christ, whose legacy has endured. Christ paved the way in wisdom, in love, in forgiveness, in grace, and extreme mercy. He called sinners to himself and made space for everyone. By his example, we are to care for children, the widow, the elderly, the poor, the sick, the people. We are to care for the people of this world. His ministry thrived on inviting the other to become part of the us, part of the we. What did Christ say? Follow me. The invitation he extended was, follow me. He didn't add, follow me when you've reached spiritual maturity, or follow me and you'll never sin again. He didn't say those things. He simply said, follow me. So when we consider a timeless legacy, I believe based on what I know of Jesus Christ, that a legacy worth leaving is a legacy of inclusion, is a legacy of love, is a legacy of forgiveness, and is certainly a legacy of action. Whether you're a longtime member of Peachtree, a new member, a visitor, a seeker, or a skeptic, what we will be is up to the we. Will we commit our time, our talent, our treasure to follow Jesus? When I dream about the next five, 10, 50 plus years at Peachtree Christian Church, I'm gonna tell you what I'll be praying for and I want you to pray for it too. And I'm gonna tell you what we'll be working toward and I want you to work on it too.
Pray for God's revival of the church, for it is not him who has left, but it's us. We must call ourselves back into communion with God and with one another. And that's not a guilt trip. That's encouragement. We leave and we come back, and no matter how many times you walk away from church or the faith, you are always wanted. You are always desired. God wants your heart. And we must bring along friends. We've got to bring strangers. We've got to bring even our enemies. God's invitation to adoption and inheritance is not just for you or just for me. It's for all. And we must explore evangelism with fervor and joy. We're called to be a community. And our commitment to the body of Christ is vital to the health of the church. Pray for God's renewal of our minds, our bodies, and our spirits. May we remember that Christ has given us the power to do good works. He's given us the power to love our neighbors. And we're to carry on his legacy with great confidence. We've got to dig deeply into scripture so that we can grow in our understanding of God's character and his will for our lives. Pray for God's wisdom and discernment as we rediscover what Peachtree can look like in the years to come. The saints who have gone before us, they paved the way. They committed themselves to God's glory and to do his work here on earth. And now it's our responsibility to carry on the good work that has been done. And as Christ said, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these. We have the opportunity to continue being a blessing to the city of Atlanta through many avenues of ministry. Peachtree isn't just a place. Peachtree is a people. God has blessed us with lots of wonderful ministries over the year, and we want them to thrive. Our family life ministry, the Legacy Club respite ministry for caregivers and their loved ones with dementia. Our music ministry, as you experienced earlier, is beyond exceptional leading us in worship every Sunday so that we may glorify God. We have outreach ministry that seeks to serve those in need, young adult ministry, connections, and congregational care where we live with one another. We walk alongside, we pray together, we live together. Our prayer ministry, our media ministry, buildings and grounds, we got ministries, y'all. And I think there's even more. My point is that God has provided us at Peachtree Christian Church with tools, and we must continue to use them to sharpen them, to polish them. Our legacy depends on you and we, and it's a pretty exciting prospect to know that God is moving in and through Peachtree right now as he has since 1925. A timeless legacy is one that stays true to the original mission while being flexible enough to stretch and grow in new possibilities. The Christian mission is to go. It's action, to go and make disciples, to love God and to love neighbor, to serve those in need and to invite others into the family. Extend an invitation. Invite others into the family of believers. As we remember the example set before us by the saints, by our loved ones whose memories we carry with us always, we do so with a renewed sense of hope and excitement. For there is much kingdom work to be done at Peachtree Christian Church, and you are being called to it. Let's answer the call. God bless you. Amen.